Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the latest episode of Voices of Experience. My name is Timu, and as always, I'm your host. Um, so this is a very um, unique episode for me, I would say. Uh, as you can tell by the music in the background, this is quite off-brand, I would say. And so this is a special episode, um, a special episode dedicated to Essex. And this is an episode by me and Aruj, who is a close friend of mine, but who is also a uh, brilliant academic, critical thinker, and she's a f- fellow Essex individual like myself. Um, so this episode is dedicated to our experiences growing up, uh, our experiences in terms of being able to or not being able to mesh the two cultures from where we belong, which is a Pakistani culture, uh, and also then having to accommodate ourselves into the Essex way of life, um, if there is such a thing. And yeah, so we spoke about quite a few things. Uh, we spoke about, spoke about our experiences growing up, how we feel about Essex now. Um, we tried to interject as much critical theory into our experiences from Essex, so how that relates to capitalism and also even colonial behavior. Um, so yeah, it was very important for me and Eruj uh, to get all this experience that we've had for years off our chest. And I know this is a very niche audience that we're catering to because yes, there are South Asians in Essex, but they make up a very small percentage in the UK. Um, so, but I'm hopeful that other South Asian folks who have grown up in predominantly white areas will be able to resonate with uh, the following podcast. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy Tawi special. Wish I could have used the Tawi theme as the intro, but I would have gotten sued. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy. As always, open to feedback, shoot through social media, letter, or whatever you can think of. Um, so yeah, hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Voices of Experience. Um, This is a unique podcast in that it's not really an interview. It's not really... There is a structure, um, but yeah, it's almost like off-the-cuff conversation between me and Aruj. Um, And this podcast is dedicated to Essex, where we grew up. Um, So yeah, hi Aruj. Hi. Tawi special. <laughs> it's, it's finally happening. Yeah, long time in the making. I'm really excited just to see, I don't think I've ever sat and spoken to like a fellow Asian person in detail about our shared experiences of Essex. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think even though I know it's a very niche audience we're speaking to, which is like South Asian grew up in Essex, but I think people who have grown up outside of London in white areas will have like commonalities with our experiences yeah i reckon so i reckon so yeah um but i think before we begin i think it'd just be it would be good for you to introduce yourself again just in case people didn't listen to your last podcast yeah sure um so my name is aruj khan i am a phd student at the university of birmingham my research looks at the experience of experiences of young people of colour in Essex, more specifically Tilbury Town. It draws on the past, the present and the future. So looking at ancestral space, 
um, current, the way we utilise current space and the way that we can reimagine space and place in the future. So, um, so yeah, and I'm also uh, by trade an employment paralegal as well for a large human rights firm, which pays my day-to-day bills, my tuition fees. Nice. Uh, I'm also um, a, a staunch womanist. Um, uh, I'm a legal observer um, for protests, uh, particularly the BLM protests at the moment. And I, I'm really, really loving anything by Michaela Cole at the moment. So <laughs> a huge shooting gun fan. Great series. Ah, oh, nice. Um, yeah, I actually need to watch that show. Um, She's yeah. got a new one out, you know. Yeah, is that is that the one on Netflix or Channel Four? Um, that is, it's on Channel Four. So on Netflix, they've um, it was initially aired on Channel Four, Chewing Gum, um, and then it's now it's on Netflix. I've been rewatching that on Netflix. It's probably the tenth time I've watched it. Uh-huh. And I just, um, I may destroy, I may destroy you. I think. It's yeah, that's called. the one. It's, it had like really good reviews. Mm. Yeah. Um, Very interesting. Because I, I listened to, like, the only podcast I listened to recently is the Galdem one, Growing Up with Galdem, yeah. and she actually has an episode on there, so I need to, like, listen to that one. Mm. Um, Have a little listen. Yeah, um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, like, a Rouge as a person, but, so the way me and the Rouge know each other is because we wrote an article about uh, white curiosities, like, seven years ago, and we did that because because well we're both from Essex and I think there was a lot to explore and to be fair I haven't really seen much since then around being a person of colour growing up in Essex to be honest in terms of like whether it's online or like in literature or even on TV yeah do you know what it's really I, I did a bit of research today I was like is there I don't know like anything like you know solid that I can sit and mm. sort of I don't draw on, I kind of you know, get inspiration from, I just read about anything that's really relevant. And um, there were like, there wasn't anything kind of, you know, theoretical or published, but there were, I saw like two um, articles, but there was, these were like local news articles about um, racism in Essex. And it kind of came off the back of um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And that I question myself because um, it's not really, shouldn't really be jumping on that to express our experiences of something that's different you know if you know what I mean yeah yeah but, um, but it was a, in fact it was Thurrock Gazette I think oh wow and they, <laughs> yeah, really really local um, and they had an article about um, off the back of um, BLM um, by a Sikh Punjabi man who had moved to Grays from Canning Town and he was speaking about his experiences in the 70s and 80s and um, growing up in Canning Town about racism there and it's quite interesting, actually, that that perspective, because it was very. I read the article and I kind of came away from it, and I just very much felt like you, you know, the the editor of that of the Thurrock Gazette really felt that you know, I was really keen to perpetuate or push the idea that you know racism is dead and gone, because <laughs> it was like quite. A <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was like oh, you know, back in the day, da, 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 and um, yeah, so that was quite an interesting like. Yeah, it was obviously a very relevant piece of um, literature, but it was just, yeah, it had it had its faults in the in the, the timings that it was published, maybe. Yeah, yeah. so the way that it was edited at the end. That's interesting next. to know that um, there was something out there, but yeah, in, in like in the time we've done the White Curiosities piece, which was seven years ago, like mm. literally seven years ago, there hasn't been much in terms of the exploration of people of color 
or black people who are growing up in Essex in terms of how our experiences are. So I think it's quite important to explore that. Um, and I think it'd be good for us to like introduce like our history of Essex. Um, so I'm happy for you to go and then I'll explain like how I ended up there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go first, yeah? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was born in East, East London. Um, had like a really, really lovely, like first four years of my life, like really lovely. <laughs> and we had a like, council flat. It was, you know, great. It was, you know, it was wonderful. But there were obviously things that we weren't kind of privy to outside of the confines of our, of our flat and our estate. And thus, um, you know, things kind of, you know, my parents wanted to progress. They really wanted to move out of the area. And uh, my dad put all of his money so did the buy to let, um, help to buy not help to buy what's it called the right to buy right that. and got it and they got some got some money out of it and they went and they bought a shop in Hornchurch we lasted this is like 1992 or 1993 Hornchurch 1992 Jesus and um, we lasted dun 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 a total of six months <laughs> that, and yeah. then like got to go just time is up got to go um, so that was my first experience of Essex. And I'm pretty sure that you can tell by the short duration that we, we spent in the area that it wasn't particularly, um, it wasn't like the best time of our lives. It was uh, having a shop, um, having a shop obviously and being Pakistani just comes along with all the, um, the those stereotypes. Yeah. And uh, obviously people kind of, uh, people kind of milked that and uh, really made their lives hell. So it was like, it was, you know, silly little things like I, I say silly little things that people would just heckle you. Me and my sister, see like children or yeah, children, effectively um, walking down the street and just getting heckled. Uh, monkey noises. Um, my, one particular one, which is awful. I think I mentioned it in uh, the last uh, podcast was um, about my dad, like a group of boys, like uh, white boys outside my dad's. Um, outside the shop and how they wouldn't move on and my dad to like make them go or like just say can you go away why are you sort of hanging around out here and you know why are you being abusive to me and they um set their dogs on my dad because it was pretty uh yeah i don't think as a family we've ever really kind of spoken about it because it's almost like oh bloody horn church and in fact we still go we often say like oh, i'll go to horn church we'll go to the bank in horn church oh. and so it's that area still has those really negative connotations despite the fact that it's it's still majority white, obviously, Tory, um, but yeah, a little bit more diverse, I would say, than what it was before. Uh, from there, we moved back east into London and we rented quite a few places uh, before my dad managed to get some, you know, so we lost a lot of money in the shop, basically, and so then we had to start renting again, and then my dad made up enough money to buy a place in Romford um, when I was about 10, 11, and we moved there, and um, so we got it on auction, and we moved there, and um, yeah, so that's how I've kind of ended up in Essex, I've kind of moved out as I've got older, I've moved to different areas, I've moved, I lived in South London for a bit, then I lived in Tilbury, Essex, Essex, deep Essex, and then I've moved back to Romford, just down the road from my parents. Right, yeah, that's a, (laughs) it's a, thorough history and it's very like it's a very like you've been in Essex for a very long time you still are in Essex actually yeah and um yeah yeah. so like 
for us, it wasn't that uh, we... So we, yeah, we moved to the UK when I was nine. Uh, we immigrated to the UK, uh, lived in Ilford, then got shipped up to Glasgow, came back. And then, yeah, we came back to Ilford, which is where we had temporary accommodation um, when we immigrated uh, by the government. So yeah, when we moved back to Ilford, and it was like, I would go and hang around Ilford, etc. So I had a very, like, East London upbringing at, up till the point of, like, 14, 15. Um, yeah. And I think now that I look back, I, it's, it's at that, that age I started to explore Essex more. Like, I'm talking Romford, Chapel Heath, uh, Hornchurch, etc. And I really had, like, strong white curiosities because at the time, especially because we were, like, working class, there was a level of, like, class aspiration there. Like, you wanted yeah. to be, like, these settled white folks because they had a stable life. Um, and they seemed what, like, from the outside looking in, like, they were living, like, stable, good lives. Um, so I think that's where my curiosity, curiosity began with Essex. And it was, like, it led me on a journey. In the space of, like, a year or two, I went from being, like, this East London kid to being, like, this... Essex boy wannabe who would like do his eyebrows and like have like the slick hairstyle and everything and it was just like is, is there is something really strange about Essex and that because it has such a strong identity and if you want to be able to survive let alone thrive in Essex you really have to adapt that personality yeah that's the key word isn't it survival I think personally for me um my my white curiosities was all about assimilation survival don't get, don't you know, let anyone start on you. Don't get beaten up. You know, like assimilate, um, assimilate enough, but assimilate enough to not stick out. Mm. And then, but then I kind of went the other. It's, yeah, it's quite interesting. So as a child, I would really, really like try my hardest to assimilate. Like you know, like I'd be like, oh, I don't want, mum, I don't want chocolate kebab sandwiches. Well, oh, I can't. I just have ham sandwiches because they're haram. Um, and. Um, and so, and so, like, I was just, you know, these, those little things would be, like, you know, just try, try and be normal, try and be normal. In fact, that was what I would always say to myself, try and be normal. Um, and then as I got a bit older, I kind of, especially in my teenage years, I sort of found a sense of identity in that I was a little bit more alternative, but it was alternative, I was I was alternative to fit in with the white alternative crowd. Right. If that makes sense. And then as I got a little bit older, I kind of thought, you know what, I, I just... I don't I, I can't I can't win I just can't win <laughs> I can't win so I'm just going to go and hang around in places where I where I feel comfortable so be it you know I really good friends on the Isle of Dogs so I'd go to the Isle of Dogs in Camden I'd go up there a lot and that was still quite alternative but more diverse more diversity so um so yeah yeah so that was kind of like peaks and troughs so initially it was assimilate for assimilate for survival kind of just be normal just be normal and then I kind of ventured into you know this kind of being curious about these alternative white subcultures trying to fit into there and then I kind of got a bit older and I was like you know what I just I just need to I just need to be be myself if you know what I mean I'm so sick of this act I'm actually really tired because I, I just can't win I, I won't win yeah I completely agree with you I think I had a similar journey in that uh, I tried to be this Essex boy from the age of 15 to like, I would say 18, 19. And yeah. it, it really does feel like a losing battle all the time. Uh, yeah. Because 
and this is something I was thinking about yesterday, the fact that a lot of the identity that we tend to take on, like knowingly or unknowingly, tends to be centered around whiteness. So I was thinking about this yesterday, like, so you know you have like uh, South Asians who come from East Africa and then they they always like, they when they think of Britishness, they think of whiteness. Yeah. So when you have an identity, identity that's based on whiteness, um, it's really difficult because by you wanting to replicate like that experience, you can't because you're not white. And I think that's that was a similar experience for me growing up in Essex because I, I, I like for me Essex was synonymous with white in my mind. Um, so I was trying to be by wanting to be quote unquote Essex. I was effectively trying to be white, um, because it meant proximity to power, etc. But I think in the long run, it kind of you kind of sh- shoot yourself in the foot as a person of color because when you try and um, like translate an identity based on whiteness, you immediately discount yourself because you're not white. So you're by and you wanting to do that, you're kind of denying your own existence as a person of color. If that makes sense. Mm. No, that's it. It's just like constant, constant code switching. It's just. Mm. You almost like you really do forget your sense of self. You forget what you actually really like. You forget, you forget what it feels like to feel genuinely safe because you're always like trying to, like control yourself or contain yourself and not take up too much space or to not be too out there or to not act too brown. And yeah, as you say, it's all about that. Like, do you know what? I don't even think it's like proximity to power. I think it's just survival. I don't think it's. Mm. To whiteness just equal survival. I think at that time, for, for me in particular, I think I'm a few years older than you. But um, yeah, it was never anything about like for me personally to like want to succeed, like over succeed, or to you know be in a level as level with uh, my, my my white counterparts. But it literally was. Please don't beat me up today. Please don't <laughs> make my life hell. I just wanna I just wanna go through and just kind of be and you know to not be you know to to not feel threatened. Yeah. You know, to not to not have that sense of anxiety I just want to I just want to pass through yeah and it's um like being racially abused and growing up in Essex as a South Asian person is like that's one of the central themes of your experience like regardless of however you want to like reframe it or repaint it it is there um and yeah it's, it's, it's a tough one so it's like, I think having gone through what we've gone through, like, how do you feel about Essex now? Like, uh, this is a question I haven't really thought about myself, so I'll have to think of an answer while I'm talking about it. But yeah, how do you feel about, like, at the end of the day, you're as much part of Essex as your white counterparts, right? You make up, like, the history of Essex just by being there and just by being you. Completely. So yeah, how, how do you feel about, like, your Essex identity? Joe, you know I'm kind of grateful for my time in Essex, my continued time in Essex, because I feel like it genuinely has taught me a new language, like the language of whiteness. So like, uh, you know, whiteness, but like how yeah. to, you know, that kind of survive, that code switching language almost is what it's what it's taught me, which is really really interesting. I, and I say I say grateful. I, I'm not really grateful. I just think it's just that's just something that it's taught me. Like, I, you know, it's just I guess a coincidence that it's that I've had to learn that a lot of coincidence like a horrible coincidence that I've learned that um, my general feelings about Essex ah do you know what it's um, 
really interesting. I think it's it's changed over time. I think when I was younger, it was I uh, when I was younger, it was a lot less diverse. I I really I really despised it. I really just wanted to kind of be somewhere that's like a, you know that was you know more familiar to me that you know had contained people you know, had had residents in there that looked more like like me that you know were you know quick to I guess demonise me. Um, but now I think when I'm older, it's really interesting. When I'm now that I'm older and and obviously with time the area has become more diverse. Do I, I, I probably despise it just as much, in all honesty, just because as a molder, obviously your knowledge expands, you understand things like microaggressions, you look at the way that, you know, certain people behave towards you and you're like, do you know what, you're not calling me a packy now <laughs> in 2020, however, like I, I, I know in the way that you're, you know, you're taking up my space and the way that you're, you're double, doing a double glance at me or that you're staring at me from your car window, that you, you certainly wish that you could. So it's really interesting. I think I, I don't, yeah, I kind of, my feelings towards Essex have kind of, are still fairly negative in that I still feel out of place and I still feel like I could never not code switch whilst residing in Essex. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. I feel similar to you in that yeah, when I think of Essex, I do think predominantly of the racism that I've experienced there. But I think as I've gotten older and I, as I've realised or I've become more confident in myself as a person, I think I've become more firm in that, like, this is where I grew up and I have a right to be here, be here as much as you. Yeah. Um, which I think can be, like, a very emotional statement when you say it to yourself. Um, but I think at the same time, yeah, it's, it's similar for me. There, there are parts where I, I do feel quite negatively. And I think... I think, like, as opposed to you, because I'm, like, removed from Essex now. I live in South London. So I think I have more of a headspace to be able to reframe Essex for me as opposed to when you're still in it and you're experiencing yeah. those forms of racism every day. It's really hard to be able to take that step back and be able to, you know, critically... Not critically, but, you know, just have that, like, wider view. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I think as well, like, as I've got older... So, in fact, my friends came around the other night... And um, we were explaining to so me and my sister, we, we have a place, we own a place now in Essex or in Rumford. Mm. And, um, and we were explaining to her about the, about the issues that we'd had with our neighbours. Yeah. So, and it all started because our, our neighbour is a builder and he decided to park his van in our shared driveway. So imagine two semi-detached properties. Um, so he, we would ask him politely. He would not move. It would, he would just get more and more irate and angry to the point where he exploded and like, was really quite, you know, verbally violent to me and my sister. And it was really interesting because the things that he was saying was, "I own this. This is mine. I've parked it for X amount of years." Obviously, kind of asserting his authority, but without having done any of the legal research. Mm. So it's, um, I think it's like 22 years until you develop a right over land. But he'd only been parking there. He'd only lived there at a time for 14 years. So he had absolutely no right to, he kept on saying that the shared driveway is ours, is mine, is mine, is mine. He also kept on saying that um, the shared alleyway, so they've got an alleyway in the deeds of the house between the two houses. And it's it's right of access on foot for the houses, three, side, three houses either side of the alleyway. He kept on saying that was his as well. 
and in fact he would like use it as storage space for all of his um builders uh, wares and garbs and um it's quite interesting to to think about that from a almost kind of like a neo-colonial perspective that kind of, this kind of taking over of space and almost like an imperial taking over of space because he's using it for business purposes right well. yeah that's so right yeah and his work goods my land mine 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 why 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 have you um why, why are you questioning my authority and it's um it got to a point where we had to go and submit several um solicitor's letters to to them and then they finally backed out but it was um like a series of different it was only one of like numerous events um that had taken place between us and um our neighbour, most yeah, all of them were at, at all points. Um, our neighbours were at fault, but yeah, that was really interesting, and it was that that kind of stuff. Like I would have, I could think of similar scenarios from when I was younger, right? But I wouldn't have had like you know, yeah, the kind of the mind expansion is what I do now to sit and sat and analysed it at that age, and say now now at my big big age, I can sit and see and think. You know, this is so quite a colonial throwback that you're enacting. <laughs> And also, like the fact that I can, you know, my sister, my sister works in law. I work in law. We can sit and we know where to go to sit and research the correct law, and to be like, actually, you know what? The legal system is very flawed. We know that, but on this occasion, I want to use it to my advantage. I'm not, I'm not going to sit and take your words at face value because, quite clearly, you're liars. Yeah, it's that's it's really interesting, and also I think it it brings up um, like a almost like a change of hands in terms of like generational so like i don't know about you but my parents wouldn't necessarily have the confidence or because when they moved like to the uk around like my parents are like in their 30s or 40s they wouldn't have been able to have like the tools to be able to you know counter back to someone like that as opposed to you know like then you have a child and then the child grows up and studies law or whatever then it shows you almost in a way the progress that we have been able to make because of the work or the sacrifices made by the older generations. Yeah, that's so true. And I was thinking about this as well because so many. Cause you know, it's like our thing, isn't it? It's like doctor, lawyer, accountant, um, and like lawyer in particular. It kind of made me think like we. It's almost like unfortunately or fortunately, we are almost sort of natural ad- advisors and ad- um, advocates because we've had to do it so much on behalf of our parents. Mm, yeah. And like you know. It's like, no, no, we can't do this, or yeah, this is how it works here, mum. Oh no, this is what it means. This is how you claim this. This is what you do. So, um, but yeah, no, it's like, it's fully like a reclaiming, well, yeah, a reclaiming of that kind of, of that power imbalance massively. Um, how do we get onto that? We always go on these, like, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the uh, question. I think it started off with. Um your neighbor but yeah i'm really glad that we went off on a tangent that like was quite intersectional in terms of looking at colonialism and mm-hmm. how white people enact that on like a micro level mm-hmm. um, yeah and you know what's also really interesting as well it's this um this kind of collective this white collective response against you know against a person of color who is acting out of sorts or misbehaving or when i say misbehaving I mean, not bending to their will. Mm. So, um, so at that point as well, they made they made a massive point of you know making all of their mates, um, their fellow neighbours of ours, um, not uh, yeah, not want to talk to us, not that I particularly care, 
got better things to do in my life. Um, but <laughs> I just found that quite quite interesting in the sense that it's very much, uh, you know, like this kind of intimidating, I'm going to get the community on you. It's like the use of community in a very negative and racist sense, in like a very kind of microaggressive aggressive sense as well. Yeah, but yeah. The community is kind of, you know, you've kind of really got to fight to make your own community and to make your own safe space here. Because sometimes, like for us, even in your house, you come, I, you know, at one point, like a couple of years ago, come home and be like, I don't want to come home. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know my, ha- my own house and I don't want to come home. Yeah. It's really interesting that you talk about the fact that they use community as a form of like, of making you aware of un- how unwelcome you are because i remember i went to at the age of like 18 i went to a like someone's 19th birthday party it was like in the town center of Hornchurch where the roundabout is and i remember i was there with my friend who was who was black and we were the only like two people of color there and uh whenever it was so it was like so strange it was like i can't believe this happened and and i'm sure me repeating it will make people wonder if I'm making the story up or not but we would literally go and stand and like in the party when we would go stand there was like almost like it was like imagine social distancing at a party but back in 2009 and the reason people are social distancing is because we are not white wow and that generally happened and it was just like I, I think back to that and it's just like I don't know how I normalized it at the time I remember I spoke about it like just a bit with my friend but it was just like and that really does like I find that's quite common in terms of like white racist communities when they want to make you feel unwelcome it's not one person it'll be 50 to 100 people who will make you feel unwelcome yeah 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 that's that's like microaggression a thousand I'm so sorry man yeah no um I remember that night, but it's, I think it's one of those things where you, your mind blocks it out subconsciously so you don't think about it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. But I think now that we like are discussing Essex, like our experiences, etc., like I think if things were not necessarily different now, but say in a hypothetical sense, if I was to move back to Essex, like, and similar for you, but I think this is different in your case because you're living there. It's like, how can you be your authentic self in what is predominantly white Essex? And like, yeah, is that even, is it possible? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. Can you ever be your true and most authentic self in a place full of people which do not look like you and which have like such dark power imbalances or do Within, within which that space contains such stark power imbalances. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, can, can you ever be? I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think that's like, physically possible. But you would literally, like, you would literally have to corner off your own space, like, literally make a community within within the wider community of Essex or Romford or you know, Chelmsford, Ilford. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think it's really, really hard to do. It's one of those, it's one of those things, like, it's, yeah, it's just just goes back to the fact that racism is kind of embedded into every kind of structure of a community. If you think of a community, it's you know it's not just the people; it's the facilities within that within a space. It's the it's a, the legal or the, the political structures that uphold the space. It's it's everything, and we know that all of these kind of systems probably function or have the threads of yeah you know, function on some level of racist bias or discrimination throughout. 
So it's, yeah, I don't think that you could ever really feel comfortable in a place where it's it's not with uh, of pe- made of people who look like you and who are willing to act in your best interest, if you know what I mean. I and agree. Also, yeah, but, so I guess it's a lot of like, it's a lot of that, it's a lot of self-care. It's a lot of kind of, you know, making sure that you do the things that make you feel safe, be it not going to certain places. Like I won't go to like, yeah, I don't particularly don't go to Brentwood. There's certain like places in Rockford I won't go to. Like I say, you know, I don't even go out for walks <laughs> up and down here. Like I would just rather like, you know, uh, take the bus somewhere else. Maybe like yeah, take the one seven four into Dagenham or walk around Dagenham or some, something like that. If I wanted to go for like a long walk, um, I guess it's also about making sure that you, if you can, if you have the financial means to, kind of going out to a different community and like engaging in that community if that makes sense and then yeah. I'm sure people will kind of come back and be like well why don't you invest your time in the community that you live in da, 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 da. and it's actually do you know what that's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of time and emotional investment and you know and if, you, if someone is ready to do that that's great but it should be like down to it's always the fault of the of the foreigner of the person of colour that they don't assimilate I think so for once let's you know let's kind of focus on the, you know the concept of community being something that white people are equally responsible for for making people who aren't of the community or who aren't you know of the local area or you know typical of the community to, to feel welcome yeah it's, it's really really like a super it's really interesting you answered the question in the view that that actually made me aware that you know when because when I was going to answer this question I was going to be like well you know I would I would find community elsewhere but then I would come back and try and you know carve a space for myself but now I'm just sitting, th- sitting here thinking like fuck that why should I do 100% of the work <laughs> yeah it's not, it's not it's like I come back here right hey I go to work I go to work in London I go I meet my, my mates in London I go um I come back here to sleep and to go and do my food shop. I don't really like, <laughs> or unless I want to, you know, maybe go and, you know, go to Southend on Sea and like just, you know, watch the waves or something like that. I don't really, I don't really have a need. And aside from my research as well, obviously don't forget, don't forget your PhD, Rouge. My research is based in Essex, but like, you know, aside from those kind of things, like for my, my I can think of better ways that I would spare, spend my spare time. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah. it's, I mean, just going back to the question before I said, like, fuck that. <laughs> like, I don't think it's... I think it would be very, very difficult to be your authentic self as a person of colour in Essex because the structures that exist on a community level are not designed for inclusivity. Um, um, you know, a piece of research, actually, that came out literally really, really, really recently. It was the um, exclusions, you know, school exclusions uh, data... And Essex is the heart has the highest rates of exclusion as a result of like of racial abuse or racist behaviour. Interesting. I mean, not interesting like something we we know <laughs> we felt. I can that. <laughs> uh, in fact, I remember. Um, sorry, tell me tell me to be quiet when I'm talking too much. But uh, um, yeah, so I remember when I was at school. So I went to school. I went to school just down the road. Um, and um, it wasn't a particularly good school. It was, you know, no, it was known to, for being one of the rough schools. And um, I remember, like, a girl, I don't know, someone had said that I'd said something about her. And then she came up to me and she went, you fucking packing. And I was like, okay. And then I probably should have, I won't say what I should have done, but should have done that. But instead I went to the teacher and the teacher was like, 
you know, all really, really kind of frazzled, really stressed her out by, you know, reporting this. And she was like, well, what do you want me to do, Ruth? Do you want me to, do you want me to have a word with her? Do you want me to exclude her? And I was like, what the fuck are you asking me? Uh-huh. Like, some sort of policy in place. And actually, the girl, she turned around and she was like, no, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I have, I have, I have perky friends or something like that. Oh, like, fucking hell. Actually, like, you're killing me here. You're killing me. You are actually quite literally, like, you know, chipping away at my soul here but thank you excellent excellent school institution excellent it was uh yeah (laughs) that's a prime example of the fact that the community doesn't have uh structures and doesn't isn't designed around inclusivity right because if the community was designed around uh, yeah if the community was designed around inclusivity then you would have people who would be able to deal with such things without losing their shit but then also you would have people who are the person who's being victimized would be much better protected rather than the teacher turning around saying well what do you want me to do about it kind of thing yeah completely and Joe, it goes back to the whole concept of you know um, how do you like is Essex a decent place to live now as a person of colour I think Essex just needs to fix itself up like I'm yeah, I'm an intelligent brilliant individual I work very very hard and I have a lot to give to the community of my choosing, but the community that I live in, wider Essex, Romford, if we narrow it down, is not ready for me, if that makes sense. So yeah. people of, of Romford need to kind of fix themselves up and be more inclusive and tackle these, you know, these, these, these situations that are so commonplace within every institution within its uh, spatial vicinity before I'm kind of, before I'm willing to spend my time and, you know, share my presence with with people in the community yeah and that's i think a very i think that's a very important um like stance to take is the fact that i think once you get older and you you find other people like you and you find like people of color communities etc and you feel more confident in in yourself i think you become a a lot more aware in terms of like who deserves your time and if you feel like your community doesn't deserve your time because of how they treat you and have treated you that's like the like the most uh, for me the most like right thing for you and I, I feel the exact same thing it's like if that my community or the Essex community is unable to appreciate its South Asian voices or people of color voices slash black voices then they don't really deserve us completely Completely, and that they've and like, and also like, who says that the community is a physical space? So you know, like, three three by four miles. Like, we like, oh yeah, my community is like, the community is so like more kind of nuanced and subjective compared to that. It's not, it's not necessarily the space that I live in. If you know what I mean, it's mm. the people that I choose to like associate with, or you know, to to text, to WhatsApp, to go and meet for drinks with. It's you know, community is like a particular place where I feel like I feel like I can really vibe in that place. There will be, you know, like I, I think I mentioned before, I, I love the Balkans. Like, is a, I kind of that that sort of like the feel of the community there in the in the Balkans or like the vibe there as a country that that I got that I like. You know, I've got free, I've got you know, there are certain services in in different areas of London that I can I'll go to, and I think you know that could if I could cherry pick my community it would be lots and lots of different things but at the moment I kind of make do because I go to do services in one area I go to meet people in various different areas I go to you know I like the vibe of, of one particular European city and I'll go there and stuff so yeah I think when we think about community I just I think it's kind of it's moved on from that whole sort of spatial element 
if you know what I mean, like a dream decent community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it makes complete sense because I was reading an article um, online. It was the, and it was the fact that um, during lockdown, for marginalized people, for them, finding a community has been a thing for so long that it wasn't difficult for them to do, or it wasn't difficult for them to exist in lockdown because they already had communities online. So yeah. for them, the community wasn't limited to physical space. They could easily find community online, which is where a lot of marginalized people find each other. So I think, yeah. especially with our generation as well, because we grew up on things like MSN and MySpace, we have yeah. the ability to find the community online if we feel like our physical community doesn't really accept us, let alone degrades us. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. That's, yeah, of course, the online community massively, completely. I thought we're so like transient individuals as well, like, you know, kind of, if you if you're able bodied, bodied you have the possibility to travel. Exactly. Well. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I think that's quite a key way in which like people of colour who kind of create community as well. If you know what I mean, like community is just here, there, and everywhere. It's from the past. It's from the present. It's you know, like for example, like I think of. Um, so I think of you. So you know, you know, like my parents are Pashtun. Yep. And um, you know, you know about Pashtun Wali. You know the whole kind of. Uh, almost like the kind of theoretical concepts of of Pashtun Wali, the whole, the, the West will call it like an honour code, we call it more kind of just a way of living a decent life. Yep. And that kind of, and that that's really interesting to me as well, because there's like one whole, there's one whole strand of Pashtun Wali, which is all about your, I think Pashtun you say Watan, or Rome Yozameen, yep. your land, but your connection to the land. And that's that's always really interesting to me because, like, even though, like, obviously, like, we're Muslim and, you know, we, my parents would never kind of outrightly quote Pashtun Wali and only in passing or whatever, but um, it's very much kind of inherently a very much uh, kind of strong part of, you know, key life experiences and also, like, my parents' personality as well as a lot of the honour, a lot of, you know, the, um, the kind of be brave, be brave, that sort of the, the, um hospitality as well but especially that that uh, relationship to land because it's such an important part of Pashtun Wali yeah um, but you can't really do it like as a as a member of the Pashtun diaspora in Britain because the you know the this land you're not welcome on this land yeah this is not your land you can be here like my parents here for my dad for 50 years and you can still not be a part of that land and also when you are, you still have like backlash from people like my neighbours. And so it becomes very much, almost like a, very much a kind of a hostile relationship to, a, a very bitter relationship to the land. Yeah, yeah. But like, but then in, in the same, in the same kind of vein, like with the concepts of land in, in Pashtun Wali, it's protection of your land. So, so although it's, a very bitter, not very happy relationship to your land environment. It's very much a overprotectiveness. Like if you're going to be territorial about yours, watch me be territorial territorial about mine, and I'll do it times ten. Right. So um, so yeah, so it's uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's it's ancestral. it's sad as well because it, it robs you of what is your ancestral practice, right? So Pushtun Wala yeah, is like completely. like that has been. That has been like delivered from generations down, and then the fact that now that's been affected, been taken like the the opportunity to be able to practice that has been taken away from you or and your family and people who are also from Pashtun heritage. It's sad. It's really sad, actually. 
completely, completely, all criminalised, like massively criminalised, you know, all like laughed at, like, you know, these uh, these tribal people, like you're practising their yoga, why can't they just go to have a normal civilised court system? It's like, well, you know, the kind of, you know, at least, at least the yoga is, you know, done and dusted in like two hours, you know, Western court cases will go on for days and days and days and weeks and months and years. Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting. I guess it's the, it's that kind of that rejection or that denial of the indigenous life, that kind of you know that forced, uh, forced yeah, the way that kind of yeah the way that you have to kind of let go of the past again in order to uh, assimilate. And um, yeah, it's almost like the white curiosity pushes out your ancestral heritage. Yeah, you take this new identity, you're pushing this one out. Is the way that I kind of imagined it. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, it always always feels like time is too short um, because we've got ten minutes left. Oh, oh, but okay. but yeah. before we move on to the we move on to like the quick fire round, uh, I think a good note for like to finish the dialogue around Essex on would be like, if you could, what would you say to your like your younger self growing up in Essex? Oh, that's really interesting, Tay. What would I say to my younger self? Uh, I would say, do you know what, I want to tell myself, like, just be yourself. But then I know that if I said that, if I, I know that if I was just myself when I was younger, I would get so much stick for it. Yeah, yeah. Life easy. I think, I think maybe I'd tell myself, um, tell myself, don't, don't judge yourself by these people's standards. It's probably what I'd tell myself, I think. Yeah, because yeah, because I think another a whole and it's kind of ties into racism and sexism as well. Growing up in a white area, especially particularly in school, I was always kind of I was always pushed down. I was always put into the lower group. So yeah, I had to pay to be put into the geography higher paper, and for which I got an A in my GCSEs, and I'm now doing a doctorate in geography. So I was constantly, constantly pushed down. So I would definitely say to my younger self, don't judge yourself by everyone else's standards. You have so much potential. Just be your own advocate, be your own best friend, be your own cheerleader. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think that's very, it's a very honest answer. And I think it would, I would say the exact similar thing to my younger self growing up in Essex, who was like, like, you know, cutting his eye, like shaving his eyebrows so they would look more white and less bushy and yada yada. But I think it's yeah. a tricky one because it's like, at the time because you don't have the breadth of experience that we have now that we you know we've been through it and then being who we are effectively being comfortable in our skin we realize how far we've come and like we're just yeah. being celebrated for your skin is a beautiful thing but yeah. i think not having that experience at the time it would be really hard for me to make my younger self understand that yeah yeah, yeah. that's it like i th- I, I wish i had people like like what we're doing now yeah that's i think i wish i had people like what we're doing now there for me when i was growing up people who were just like south asian folks growing up in essex being like oh it's fine to be yourself yeah um yeah definitely you forget like that that trauma when you're younger that yeah that that that's yeah that's the whole that's the whole kind of that's an inner child situation you know what i mean that kind of that sticks with you that trauma because you're so young you can't really express how you feel you're so young that you're and you're so young and also you're like in an, in an Asian environment so like therapy isn't really mm. something that would be provided to you or would be kind of you know acknowledged as something to 
yeah, something to address any trauma. And also, you know what we're like. You know, like my, something shit happens, my parents will be like, oh, whatever, huh? And then, like, you're sitting there mulling it over, like, why on earth did that happen? How did that happen? What? Why? Why did they do that to us? And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of. I can't remember why I said that. I, I said that in follow-on from what you said, but then I kind of got into my flow and I forgot <laughs> what you said. Um, no, completely. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely understand like where that's coming from and what you're saying. Um, yeah, it, it always feels like these podcasts are too short and it's like an hour of podcasting. I think yeah, it'll it'll be really nice to I think expand on this because I think we've developed uh, the podcast beyond just Essex, so it's like gone into uh, culture and identity. So I think yeah, yeah it'd be good to have you on again soon um, because yeah, it's always good to talk to you and then just talk about all the things that we do. But before we finish off, I think you know it's yeah. coming as well because you didn't. Because you, uh, uh, well, I said there's gonna be a quick fire run, and you asked me to show you the questions. So, but it's still coming your way. So, <laughs> w- uh, like now, it's time for quick fire round, but Essex style. I wish I could put the Tawi theme in then in there, but they'll they'll sue me for illegal use. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, cool. So we've got four questions, and um, it's pretty much. I'm I'm not too like, I'm not too what's the word strict like. Whatever comes to your mind, but I'm more than happy for you to elaborate on the question itself. So, yeah. Cool. cool. Fav- favorite food after clubbing? Favorite food after clubbing? Oh. In Essex. Like, oh. you're in, all these questions are restricted to Essex. Okay. You know what? You know the subway next to, Rump- uh, next to Rumpford Station? Oh. <laughs> 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 no, well, in that, near the, you mean the one next, right next to those bus stops? Actually, no, no, even better, the kebab shop, sorry, the, the kebab shop opposite the station, right next to the bus stops. Yes, yeah, sorry, that one. Not the subway. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No, that one, actually, That that's my favourite food after clubbing. Because you go you go to Time and Envy, Liquid and Envy, <laughs> like, you know, you go, you had your pre-drinks, spoons, like, you know, you're on your way home, you, you keep a bit waved, you know, trying, trying to... Everyone's too drunk to, you know, I don't know. Everyone's just, everyone's just drunk, you know, and double either breed, either extremely happy or extremely hostile. You go into the kebab shop. There's always a bloody long queue, but people in there are so, so, so lovely, and it always just tastes so damn good. And even though I'm like, you know, belligerently, you know, intoxicated, I can still see the halal sign, and I'm still like, still happy. (laughs) My my response is different. So you know the McDonald's opposite Liquid and Envy. Mm. That's that's where I, that's where we used to go. Get the get get one of the meals from there, like Big Mac or whatever. Um, yeah. Okay, so the next question uh, is faith person from Tawi. Support local. <laughs> <laughs> support local. <laughs> I should do that. I mean, I only went club like I like. Just to give you context, the last time I went clubbing in Romford was 10 years ago. So, like, we're talking, like, a de- Jesus Christ, a decade ago. Um, oh, okay, so... Is your night out? Come on. Sorry? <laughs> it can be arranged. It can be arranged. We'll do a night out, and then we'll do a podcast after. A oh, my out. God. That would be incredible. <laughs> that would be so amazing. 
Oh, oh, that would actually be like really fun because I think then we can like kind of report back to how it was because it's been the decade for me so I think it's always good to do things like if you're going to do something mm-hmm. and if you haven't done it I think 10 years is a good period to do it again do it again man let's do it let's do it you let me know when uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm quite yeah. safe with you so call them welcome <laughs> okay um, cool second question favourite person from TOWIE Oh my gosh, do you know what? I've watched like the first one, two, three series, I think, of TOWIE because I was just so intrigued by it. And you know what? Tau, that representation of Essex is not true. I'm sorry, it's not true. It's what, the 1%. People, like, yeah, the 1% of Essex. Like, what people do you know? I don't think I've ever met anyone who lived in Chigwell my whole entire life. Like, I literally, I don't think quite know. Um, and yeah, like, who, like, the cars they drive. Compared to the careers that they have, yeah, they're a club promoter. They they drive like you know the most latest vehicles. And I'm like, I don't think you earn that much. But obviously, it's in that inherited wealth because you forget that a lot of people moved to Essex, um, for the big houses once they kind of made their money. So I can imagine their parents are like, you know, yeah, the money and stuff, and they pay for their Ralph Lauren t-shirts they wear at David Lloyd gym. No judgment. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> my favourite character from the free series I've watched no, do you know what actually shout out to Baz J Morgan because I know that he he was saying bits a lot like saying a lot doing the most about um, um, regarding um, his experience of being black in Essex and uh, actually sorry yeah no Baz Morgan of course yeah so um, he was speaking about about Towie and about how his role in TOWIE perpetuated um, like a really negative black stereotype. Oh, interesting. Which was, yeah, super interesting. And he was um, talking about being like a high-profile um, black queer man and the amount of racism that he gets as well. So, and yeah, just kind of like sharing that story. Just, yeah, doing doing what everyone should be doing. Oh. So, yeah, first Jane Morgan and he always like he just has nice outfits he just seems like such a nice guy <laughs> for listening Baz <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping he is oh, that's, if, there, if there is one audience member I want to reach this him yeah. um, okay cool uh, next question favourite club in Essex favourite club of uh, um, oh my gosh favourite club in Essex favourite club in Essex um Oh no! Oh, you know what? No, you're gonna kill me, man. Um, you know, um, you know, Baz Vegas. You know, Baz Vegas. Um, Baz Vegas. What's, what's the proper name of it? I'm gonna have to Google this now. Um, Baz Vegas Festival Leisure Park. The Festival Leisure Park in Basildon. So there was a time in my life where I had. Um, a really really good group of friends and they were like we were such party girls and so like they were from Kent and um, so I'd sometimes go to Mainstay and go clubbing they sometimes come up to Essex and go clubbing and it would always go to the Festival Leisure Park which had about three clubs and so they had like Jumping Jacks they had like a Liquid and MV they had another one and my god my god the amount of alcohol that we would consume the <laughs> amount of like <laughs> cheesy music that we would just we would listen to but it was always such an interesting night and um yeah so i think that whole kind of that whole kind of complex is really interesting and i think just geographically as well because the festival leisure park is at away from the town center right of basildon 
So, and they had like a hotel there. So my friend, me and my friends would like book a room. We'd just like all crash, all five of us in the bed. And, um, and yeah, so we wouldn't have, kind of have to like, you know, we'd just walk straight from the club to our hotel and it would all, all just be good and cushy. So it was quite an interesting sort of geographical makeup, if you know what I mean, for a club, for a, a club complex. But yeah, no, I always really enjoyed Festival Leisure Park. What about you? Um, I would say Faces is the place to be. It was the place. It was always been the place to be, even if the racist bouncers don't let you in, which happened twice. But it is the place. <laughs> it is unofficially the place to be in Essex, even if you don't get let in because you're a person of color or you're black. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's the quick fire round done. You, I think you did really well. It wasn't. I told you it wasn't anything to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I've got to prepare. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're yeah, no, you're right. I forget. Like, I've got it's all in there. It's all just my memories and stuff of Essex. Because yeah, you're, I think you're right. We could do like another two or three podcasts on this. I agree. Just, um, I think we probably do it chronologically: childhood, teenagers, uh, adults. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I think there's a lot to explore because I think it really ties into like culture and identity. Um, yeah. And for Absolutely. South Asian people or just general people of colour. Um, yeah, that's, it, was, it was lovely talking to you, as always. Um, I think, uh, I like, I don't think, I think it would be good to do another episode, I think. We do it, part two. Part two of the Taui special. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that'd be really good. Um, it'll be Taui special, uh, and then you can become like a co-anchor so you'll be taking on a lead like with me um yeah oh, uh, let's let, let's definitely start doing that and yeah it was lovely having you on um Thank you any, so any lasting words for essex lasting words for essex um you know what essex you could do better that's the very <laughs> fix up essex <laughs> you're beautiful beautiful but fix up <laughs> I think that's a very very important note to uh, finish on um, but yeah uh, I hope you all enjoyed our conversation and yeah see you next time <laughs>